good morning, church. It's good to worship with you this morning. And uh, I just want to say shout out to all you guys in the front row, setting the tone for us this morning, right? I love it. I love it. Hey, we uh, started a new sermon series last week called The Fruit of the Spirit. And uh, this is coming off of this day that we celebrate called the Easter Resurrection Story, where Jesus uh, conquers sin and death and is resurrected. And he said that he was going to need to leave so that an advocate would come, so that the helper would come. And what we know of is in the scriptures, that's it's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is something that uh, dwells within us as Christians when we choose to follow Jesus and be uh, a committed follower of Jesus that surrenders to his lordship. And we believe, we confess, we repent, we get baptized, the Holy Spirit fills our lives and becomes a helper for us. Scripture says that we are called to then walk in step with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about that. So I say, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so for all of us, who claim to be followers of Jesus, we are called to live by the Spirit. We are called to live by what God's Word says is the Spirit, but we also have a flesh that wages war against us, a flesh that is really built upon uh, selfishness, a flesh that is the desires of the flesh, the things of this world. It is contrary to God, is opposite to God. And so for us as believers, like this is a war that we live in. Uh, every day we wake up and, and we want to abide in Jesus, walk with Jesus, but also we have to recognize that, that there's a flesh that wars against that. And uh, if we walk in step with the Spirit, the Scripture says that we produce fruit, a certain type of fruitfulness. That fruitfulness is found later on in chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, or patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so last week we talked specifically about walking in the Spirit. We talked about love, the first fruit. And every single week for the next eight weeks now, we're going to look at every single fruit evaluate our lives and ask the question are we are we walking in step with the spirit and what is it that jesus is inviting us into to trust him more so that we produce more fruit in our lives and honestly we would do relationship well every single one of these fruits is actually tied to relationship relationship with god and relationship with one another it's all Relational, And Jesus said that that's how it was going to be, that all the scriptures could be summed up by love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so as we navigate uh, joy this week, I want you to know that joy is not something that is easy for myself and for the Jordan family. Just not something I've had to evaluate, something I've had to look at when I read the scripture and I go, joy. All right, what does it mean to live a joy-filled life? And what happens when you walk in step with the Spirit and you live a joy-filled life? What, what does that look like? How does it change not only you, but change other people? Here's what's fascinating about joy is it's talked about all throughout the scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it's something that's actually quite profound when you really look at it. Quite profound. And it's very opposite to how the world works. 
Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, always be joyful. What's that first word? What's the first word? Always. Man, Paul, that's, that's a high, high bar. Always? First thing you wake up in the morning, always. For you non-morning people, right? Always. Well, I got to get my coffee first. No, <laughs> he doesn't say that. Always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. How in the world do you live like that? Always joyful. Always. Waking up in the morning, not a morning person, be joyful. 515 on Eagle Road. Always be joyful. How do we do that? How in the world do we do that? In order to understand how to always be joyful, you have to understand what joy is. Not according to what the world says, but according to what Scripture says. Joy is rooted in this idea to rejoice, to be glad. The Greek word is kara. Everybody say kara. To, the verb form is rejoice. And so a lot of the passages you see will say rejoice in it. It means to, to have joy. And the, the rudeness of having joy is then you rejoice. Um, to, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, to thrive, to walk into all situations with joy. And oftentimes we can link happiness to joy, which isn't necessarily wrong in the sense of a descriptor. Someone who's joyful to someone who's happy. But here's the difference between happiness and joy. When you look at the root word of happiness and joy, you begin to see the distinction between the two. Happiness's root word is happen. Everybody say happen. It's where we get the word happenstance and is linked to the idea of circumstance. That I'm happy because I have certain situation or a circumstance that, that causes me to be happy. Happiness is dictated by our circumstances and the good gifts that creation offers, but joy is a posture of God's people and their choice. Everybody say posture. It's, it's this idea that I'm going to posture myself not to be driven from happiness, but driven by joy. What is joy? Joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul rooted in God's goodness his promises that no circumstance, no event, no object, no human can steal away from us. It's a decision to trust that God and his promises and his goodness is, will always, always will work out for my good and for the good of his will, his glory, his creation. So what is your life driven by? Is it driven by happiness, circumstance, Gifts, objects are rooted in the glory of God and his goodness and his promises. Joy is a choice for us as believers. Joy is a, a choice that we decide that it's God's glory and his goodness that I trust in. And that no matter what I enter into, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose God's character. And we see this all throughout Scripture where God's people are choosing joy, choosing to rejoice in the midst of a difficult circumstance. This is just um, passages that I'm going to list. They're not in your notes. I just want you to listen to this. 
Psalm 105 is referencing Exodus chapter 15. God's people have been rescued out of Egypt, which is a great thing, but then God ushers them into the desert. I don't know about you, but living out in the desert, not easy, right? They're going into the wilderness, unknown. And it says that as they go into the wilderness and into the unknown, into the desert, this is how they respond. Psalm 105, for he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham, and he brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. God's people out into the wilderness, desert, and they are rejoicing, full of joy. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, that when you experience persecution, this is how you should respond. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Be joyful. Be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. Paul is in prison. House arrest. And he talks about two things right from the get-go in Philippians chapter 1. He talks about how the gospel is moving forward. His concern is not for himself. It's about the gospel. The gospel is moving forward. And the second thing he says is this. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, is that Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, Paul says, in the midst of prison. I rejoice and yes i will continue to rejoice convinced of this i know that i will remain and i will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through me through my being with you again boasting in christ jesus will bound on account of me and so the reality of it is is joy is a posture that we choose believing and trusting that god's glory his promises his goodness will always prevail and whatever the circumstance that comes i can endure and walk in joy because god is still god and jesus is still king and ruler no matter what circumstance i face and so my happiness isn't rooted in my circumstance it's rooted in my god and who he is and who he says he is now here's the thing oftentimes jesus blesses us with things that bring us joy. Jesus blesses us with good things that bring us joy. The scripture talks about this. Abundance in life, Psalm 65. Good food and wine. Have you ever had good food and good wine and you're just like, man, that's a good meal right there. Right? Brings you joy. Scripture talks about that, Psalm 104. Ever been to a good wedding party? Jeremiah 33 talks about bringing joy in the midst of wedding. Children, Proverbs 23, bring us joy. For those of you that are my age, you're going, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> good friends, good wisdom. Psalm, Proverbs 27. Bring us joy. But here's what happens oftentimes as as God blesses his children with good gifts from his creation, oftentimes we choose to find our joy in the gift rather than the gift giver. We find our joy just in the gift, not the gift giver. We don't acknowledge the gift giver. And I talked about this just a second ago about having a good meal. Having a good meal. There is nothing better than 
a good ribeye or good prime rib and a good cabernet when it comes to wine, right? Where it all just comes together. Some of you guys are like, no, I don't like that. That's okay. It's all right. Choose your, choose your famous dish. Your, this is like it. It's good. Pastor, I respect puts it this way. The non-believer, or maybe the Christian doesn't understand true joy, says, man, that was just a good meal, wasn't it? And everybody goes, yeah, it's a good meal. The Christian, who understands joy, says, what kind of God would create his creation and bless his children with the ability to understand flavor? And not only flavor, but choose to bless his children with the ability to understand food and to make food and to create food. And then we could sit here together as friends and enjoy this meal together. Are you with me this morning? Do you see the difference? Because the difference is this. Our joy doesn't terminate to the extent of the object. It transcends past it. Whatever we're experiencing that brings us joy, the Christian goes, yeah, but I know a God who gave us that object gave us that gift gave us thing that God has given us and oftentimes we get those two things confused we start worshiping created things instead of the creator and now if you know your bibles this is in Romans chapter 1 Paul says this that we as God's children as we are blessed by God he gives us amazing blessings but we choose to start worshiping the created thing instead of the creator Romans chapter 1 says we think that we know better. We think that this thing will give us life. And Jesus is calling out to us and saying, I'm the giver of life. I'm the one that sustains you. I'm the one that brings joy to you if you trust me. Jesus lavishes us with good things that bring us joy, but we must find our joy in the source, not in the object. Because the object comes and goes, doesn't it? But Jesus doesn't. His promises never leave. His goodness never leaves. And so the obstacle number one that keeps us from experiencing joy is often the good gifts that God gives us. The second obstacle for understanding and experiencing joy is this, is our circumstances can be an obstacle because oftentimes our circumstances are very, very difficult. Some of you have come this morning and you're in a bad situation. You're in a bad circumstance. You've lost a loved one. You've been at the doctor and the diagnosis is not good. You've been in a marriage for years that's now falling apart. Life gets difficult. And that sorrow that comes oftentimes we think that suppressing the sorrow is what will fix it. And Scripture actually doesn't tell us to suppress the sorrow. Scripture doesn't tell us to suppress the sorrow, the dark night of the soul that you find yourself in, this difficult, painful period in a life where you question and you doubt everything and you question the promises of God. You question the goodness of God. What do we do in these situations? We have to recognize that the dark night of the soul comes usually from one of two things. Number one, you've actually brought the dark night of the soul on yourself because you've chosen to sin. 
You've chosen to not trust God's goodness. You've chosen not to trust his ways, and therefore you're living in the circumstances of the sin that you've caused. And if that's where you're at, I just want you to listen to David. Psalm 51, as he has been confronted by his friend about the adultery that he has committed, and not only the adultery he's committed, but the murder that he's committed. This is what David says. Just listen to this. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, David says. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm getting thrown back into youth group into the early 90s right now, right? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you find yourself in a tough situation because you have not chosen to trust Jesus, be like David and cry out, confess your sin and pray that God restores the joy of your salvation because he will. He will. Because he's good and he promises that he will. What if you've come this morning and you haven't done anything? You haven't sinned. Instead, you've been wronged. And it hurts and it's painful. Trust the promises of Jesus and what he says to his disciples in John 16. He says this to his disciples. This is true for you as well. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy, Jesus says. Do you suppress the sorrow? No. You express it. You cry out. This is why Sunday morning is so important. To come here and to worship is a form of crying out in the midst of difficult circumstance, to cry out to the goodness of God, to his promises. Even if you can't worship this morning, other people will worship on your behalf for you. As you wrestle the dark night of the soul, as you choose joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, Jesus promises to bring your grief and turn it to joy. May I, may I also say this, though. As you walk the dark night of the soul, my caution to you, my caution to you is this, is oftentimes the enemy is overwhelmingly telling you there's no good, there's no good, Jesus doesn't love you. If he really loved you, he wouldn't have allowed this thing to happen to you. And the enemy is relentless. And here's what happens oftentimes in the posture of our hearts if we're not careful. Is we blame God for all the bad. And we don't remember and reflect on all the good that God has brought through your story. God gets all the bad. All the credit for the bad. But we forget about all the good. And here's the thing. This is why we need each other, church. 
This is why we need to be in home group so that we can help remind each other in the midst of difficulty to go, but do you remember this? Do you remember this part of your story? Do you remember what God has done up in this moment? And yet, as he allowed this hard, difficult thing, painful thing to happen, but would you be willing to trust him in the midst of the desert you find yourself in? Would you be willing to trust him to the other side of it, believing that the hope and the joy that he has instilled in you will propel you through the desert and that you would be like Israel, rejoicing as you go through the desert. You can walk with the Spirit and you can walk with the Spirit and in life with joy because you understand the goodness and promises of God, the goodness and promises of God that far outweigh our circumstances that we find ourselves in and the good gifts that he provides. Thing. When we as God's people choose to walk that way, that you choose to walk in the Spirit, you choose joy, and that your circumstances don't dictate your joy, your happiness, it's God and his goodness. When you walk that way, I want to tell you, it radically changes people. It radically changes people. And people see it. It's, it's, like, it's like black and white. When people that walk in joy in the midst of difficulty, it's like black and white distinction. It's like, man, how, how are you walking this way? I know what you're going through. People take notice and when people take notice, what that is, is it's Jesus shining through us in the midst of difficulty. And yeah, I, my situation is tough, and there are times of sorrow, and there are times when I am not strong. But there are times where I'm in this place where I know that God's goodness will prevail. His promises will prevail, and so I choose joy. And when we walk that way, it's kind of like what Proverbs 27 says. Proverbs 27 is perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. I love that compare and contrast. Isn't that awesome? That in relationship with one another, when we walk in joy, it's like perfume that brings us joy. Have you people who are full of joy? We walked with people that are full of joy in the midst of facing cancer, in the midst of seeing a broken marriage in the midst of hard circumstances where they lose everything financially, they walk with joy. Have you ever experienced that? I experience it quite often here at this church. I experience it in this lobby. I told the team this morning as we got ready that the way you love and you serve, walking in step with the Spirit, that people feel that. You feel that in the lobby, you guys? You feel that in here? That people are walking with Jesus no doubt all of us have got significant things that we're navigating. But in the process of navigating those difficult things, we as God's people are choosing to say, I'm gonna trust God in his promises and his goodness and I'm gonna choose joy no matter my situation, my circumstance. And that changes people. It changes the environment. It changes our homes. It changes our, our workplaces. Have you ever been in a, in a difficult work situation? And there's always that person who's just always positive that's annoying. Maybe they're choosing joy. Maybe there's something deep-rooted beyond just their situation that they're choosing to trust in.
Maybe they're naive. I don't know. But maybe you'd ask. Help me understand. Work's like been tough, yet you, you're continuing to choose a different posture. Why? I want to close out today by um, reminding us what we've been through. Two years have been pretty difficult, right? And uh, in the midst of this weird season that we're in, two years ago feels like it was 15 years ago. Anybody resonate with that? Over the last two years, uh, walking as a pastor has been difficult at times. Trying to bring Christians together that disagree. Watching my pastor friends see their churches blow up, not in a good way. Elders divided, staff divided, staff turnover. All sorts of different things. But there was this crazy idea that we decided to do two years ago. And I want to be honest with you, like, it's a little silly on the surface. But when you look at it, there's a deep rootedness behind what we did two years ago in the midst of a really difficult situation. And over the last two years, I have gone back to this video probably a half dozen times to be reminded that Jesus is still gonna build his church regardless of what circumstance we find ourselves in. That joy will be a marker of who we are as followers of Jesus. And so we're gonna play it this morning. Some of you have never seen it before. Some of you guys have seen it before. But hopefully it brings a little bit of joy to you this morning. Let's take a look. Lately I've been reeling Watching the nightly news Don't seem to find the rhythm Just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never Stops Feels like it's never gonna Gotta get that fire fire Back in my bones Before my heart Heart turns into stone So when somebody please Pass the megaphone I'll shout it on the
joy, joy, joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. In the midst of a really tough time, a bunch of people decide to be crazy with me and uh, choose joy and to help bring joy. And that's honestly what we're called as disciples of Jesus, to show the world what our God's like, that we're trusting in his promises and his goodness, that our circumstances aren't dictated, aren't gonna be a dictation of our happiness, but instead it's rooted in the goodness of God. So as we wrap up, I just want you to think about a couple of these take-homes. That joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul, rooted in God's goodness. As we get older, as we get older, are we becoming more joyful? Or as that song talks about, is, is our hearts becoming hardened? look like in our homes is it our homes full of joy or would our kids say that our homes are hard hard places Jesus lavishes us with good things that bring us joy but we must find our joy in the source not the object we've got to be reminding ourselves all the time of the goodness that Jesus has provided Even in the midst of difficulty, are we reminding ourselves of Jesus' goodness? Or does he get all the blame for all the bad? You can walk with the Spirit in life with joy because you understand the goodness and promises of God. And we get to show the world the depth from which we trust God by walking in life with joy. As we get ready for communion this morning, I want to invite you to have a conversation with Jesus about your joy. And I want you to have a conversation with him because here's the thing. I said this last week. We can't chase the fruit. If we chase the fruit, it won't work. But if we chase Jesus, fruit will come. If we abide in Jesus, fruit will come. And as we get ready for communion, if you've come this morning and you didn't grab communion, you came in, you keep your hands up. These amazing ladies will make sure you get some communion. Maybe you wanted, you didn't want to take communion, but now you do. Just raise your hand. They'll make sure they get you some. have a conversation with Jesus about the joy in your life and for some of you this morning here's the reality you need to decide that you're going to make Jesus Lord of your life you've got to decide whether or not you believe the good news of the gospel the good news of the gospel is that Jesus brings joy even in the midst of my own brokenness and my sin that he restores that that he brings that that you want to be called a child of God, that you want to be a disciple that follows after Jesus. And if you've never made that decision, now's the time to do it during communion. Now's the time to decide that you're going to confess, repent, follow him, and eventually get baptized into him. For the rest of you that are Christians, what does it look like for you to choose joy? What does it mean for you to confess to Jesus that you've allowed 
the gifts that he's given you maybe to be the source of your joy, the object of your joy, and then maybe today you would choose for your joy to transcend to Jesus. And lastly, would you talk to Jesus about how your life, walking in joy, that it has the ability to transform other people's lives and that you would take hold of that opportunity as you walk and live out the promises of God this morning. Let's talk with Jesus and get ready for communion.